From our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and it's more than just the scores. From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to dallasnews.com sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Mavs have a superstar, and we got a series. I'm Bobby, he's Mike. Dallas just won 113-103. The Mavs lead a playoff series. They're, they're ahead of the other team in the playoff series. Luka Doncic is like dangerously close to best player alive. Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, KP, holy cow. Mike, what are we doing here? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to start? And first playoff series lead since OKC in 2011, the Western Conference Finals. So we're not used to this. We're used to having a cool, let's get this first game out of the way and just kind of regroup and see what worked and adjust a little bit. But man, I don't want to say they did everything that we kind of told them to do on the uh, series preview uh, because some of the tactical things were just didn't apply once you play uh, Zubats off the court <laughs> halfway into the third quarter. But they showed up with an edge. They kicked the Clippers straight in the head from quarter one and then they weren't scared, man. Uh, they didn't allow them to get the corner threes that they like to get. They let Kawhi shoot the elbow jumpers and just kind of relied on the fact that he'd get tired of that. Or you can outmath him by shooting two pointers uh, and by countering with, you know, threes and, and better possessions than he's getting. And dude, it was six minutes left in the game. And I was telling myself, no matter what happens from here on out, You've proven that you can play with these guys and you've proven that you can beat these guys. And then the Timmy charge that got Paul George's fourth foul. Huge play. Timmy three that put it 198. Marcus Morris misses both ends of a free throw, uh, a a two shot free throw attempt or two free throw attempts. They started trapping Kawhi like they hadn't done the rest of the game. So he kind of like would hesitate and have to step out of it and reset the offense. Dorian Finney-Smith three, 103-100. And then it wasn't even Luca late. It really wasn't. It was, they were trapping Luca and he was making really sharp, long passes either to the corner or out of the trap where people could adjust. And you got up 105-100 with 120 left. And then another Timmy runner and KP with the exclamation point with the, uh, the huge dunk on the ball movement, just creeping baseline. And, Wow, man, they made an adjustment. They, they got out of the trap that was causing them issues in the third quarter with a little bit of better ball movement and just whipping the thing around with some speed to it. And the Clippers looked awful, just honestly. Yeah, yeah they took That's crazy, shot, man. man. I'm freaking out a little bit. <laughs> you saw Dallas was up three. It was 103-100. I think Luka missed a shot, and then Paul George took a very quick shot and missed it. Dallas scored later. Kawhi took a very quick shot and missed it. I think Maxi might have even gotten a, a piece of that. It was from like 12 feet out, and he shot about two feet short. But that fourth quarter was a clinic by Rick Carlisle. I mean, the Clippers, basically, Luka took Zubats into a deep, dark forest, and only one of them was getting out, and, and Luka won that little duel. And like you said, Zubats was done after that. It was Nick Batum and Rondo for the rest of the game, essentially, for the Clippers. 
and they were blitzing Luca, and and they cannot do that for the rest of the series. I mean, they like they can do that periodically, but what I'm saying is, they're not going to be able to blitz Luca for all 48 minutes of every game. Those guys are going to wear themselves out, and Luca's going to pick them apart. And Luca shifted from scorer to facilitator, and going into the fourth, it was pretty clear they need guys to step up. They're going to need guys to make plays. And it looked like the game was slipping away from them a little bit. The Clippers opened the fourth on a 9-1 run, took the lead. They went up three, I think. Yeah, without Kawhi. That was Paul George was hitting some shots. Nick Batum made some plays. Rondo hit. Yeah, just way too much Rajon Rondo for me. Um, but Jalen Brunson, back-to-back and one takes to the rim. Just huge plays. Tim Hardaway, they were up, I think, five points. Um, they were applying some pressure. Hardaway took it to the rim and scored lefty uh, right at the end of the game. Dorian Finney-Smith hit a huge, huge three. He also had a really nice dump-off pass to KP in the dunker spot. And so what you saw was in the third quarter, the Mavs were a little flummoxed. They were a little psyched out because KP was having a bad game, and they were starting to double Luka. And the Mavs were like, what am I going to do? You got Dwight Powell, Nico Melli, Jalen Brunson out here with like Dorian or with Jay Rich. Like, What are we going to do here? And then they figured it out. You know, the good thing about the playoffs, you get like five-minute timeouts. They figured out a game plan, and they said, all right, if you're going to send two at Luka, then we're going to destroy you four on three. And sure enough, they did. And Mike, I'll be darned if the Mavs didn't win every single quarter of the game. Every single quarter of the game. And the fourth quarter was their best quarter. They were plus four. That is just chef's kiss. Beautiful stuff to see. Just a beautiful, beautiful game schematically, execution-wise, Luka, supporting cast, all around. Yeah, they they were the attackers, man. There was no doubt about it. First quarter, is pretty obvious that Pat Beverly had a target on his head if you're going to start him. And then once Pat Bev went out, how do I get Luka against Zubats continuously? And once he decided, okay, I'm not bailing this guy out by stepping doing step-back threes. It, it was church, man. It was just a an advantage. And... I know the Clippers are going to have some kind of counterpunch uh, at, at some point, probably pretty early on in game one. I mean, they might start Reggie Jackson or, you know, Zubats might not be in the starting starting lineup anymore. But I mean, do you start a Baca? Because, like, you can't just play super small the whole the whole game. Baca wasn't that good either. I mean, I guess bo- raw bo- uh, box plus minus, he's plus 11, which is <laughs> drastically different than a lot of the guys on their team. But I wasn't that impressed with the Baca. Like, he just... He looks like he missed 30 games. Uh, he yeah. made some smart plays because he's a veteran and an extremely talented player. But but to your point about, sorry to cut you off, but with Beverly starting, like you said, man, if Beverly's starting, go at him. Luka did, got him in foul trouble like a minute and a half into the game. And with Zubats as the only big, and KP really as the only big, I mean, Maxi is a big, but he's not being guarded by the big man. KP made his first two shots. Luka got Beverly in foul trouble. And the Clippers were already on the back foot two minutes into the game. Two minutes into the game. And then they put Zubats on Dorian, and Dorian hit four threes. And then they put Zubats on Luka, and Luka basically went Super Saiyan. And so Dallas was just a, a step ahead the entire game. They turned into the Sharks, man. And it was it was bloody. It was bloody waters. And, I mean, one of six on threes from Kawhi. Uh I think it's a lot of that has to do with the fact that he wasn't getting looks from three in the first half. And they were like, man, if you want to operate from the elbow and get three fouls on Maxi, you go right ahead, pal. Like, we'll figure it out from there. We'll take that. And then Marcus Morris, they just, they kind of did what we talked about, man. Made him catch the ball and regroup instead of just catching it and going straight up. He got it. One of his first, uh, 
but maybe his first three or his second three just flat out blocked. Like someone got like half, Luka. A, yeah, half a finger on it. And I think he got a little rattled. Um, but one of 12 from three for Kawhi and Marcus Morris, that does not happen, dude. That just doesn't happen. If you want to throw PG in there, that is three of 20 for Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris against the Clippers in a playoff game, man. And Reggie Jackson was over three, too, dude. I mean, this is a those are the four guys that we talked about at length yesterday. Those four guys. That's and that's the thing, man. That's what we talked about. We talked about, okay, if you can have an entire team of dudes that shoot 40 percent from three, that might make your regular season a lot less of a of a heavy lift to you on a night to night basis because you can just bomb from three and hit 20 of them and just be like, see ya. We're going to the house with five minutes left in the game. But in the playoffs, that's different. That is a completely different game. It's a it's different competition. It does not carry over. Just because you shot 43% in the regular season, that does not carry over. You don't copy and paste it into the playoffs. And tonight you saw that, man. I mean, geez, three of 20 for Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Marcus Morris in game one. That's nuts. And I, I want to give I want to give as much credit as you can possibly give to their effort defensively and to Jamal Mosley and to Rick Carlisle because they did not look like the Clippers. They didn't. They didn't look like the Clippers offense that I watched like 20 games of this week. So hand clap for them, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm shook. Like I cannot believe that the things that went wrong throughout that game and not adjusting to the trap early KP, not playing strong with the ball uh, second unit, really not doing a whole lot in the first half. That all happened. That happened in this game, in game one. And you smoked these dudes still. Like, Luka didn't have an insane game. Like, 31 points is impressive. But he could have scored a lot more. And they just said, enough. I'm going to keep you at arm's length for the final five minutes, and this thing's over. And to make matters worse, or to complicate things, they lost the minutes when Kawhi was on the bench both times. Like, a lot of things went wrong. Dallas gave up 13 offensive rebounds. Like, there were a lot of bad things that happened. They turned it over. Um, well, they turned it over, I don't know, some, some like dead ball turnovers. Combined, they turned it over 13 times, uh, seven of which were led to steals. Live ball turnovers are terrible. I mean, there was a lot of bad stuff. Uh, now, it helps that the Clippers shot 11 of 40. That's not going to happen again, probably in the series. But I, I want to, like, in the first five minutes – at really six minutes, Dallas outworked them, out-hustled them. They were the aggressors. They were hitting shots. Dorian had that big dunk. They were closing out on guys, really flummoxing the Clippers' offense. And, like, even though L.A. settled down, really, by the end of the, the first quarter, you know, they still had 30 points in the first quarter, I just wonder if, like, if guys' first couple shots are just like, Wah! then, I mean, you can kind of knock them off balance the rest of the game. I mean, the inverse is true. At least that's what coaches say. Like, how often does Rick say – well, you know, this guy shoots 31% from three for the season, but his first three shots were all wide open, and so he got a rhythm. So maybe if your first shot or your first couple possessions, even if, even if your next three are easy, if your first couple are hard, then maybe you're seeing ghosts. Maybe you're just off, you're on edge, you know? And again, I don't expect that to be the case. You can't count on the Clippers shooting 27% from three ever again in the rest of the series. But they did it one time. And there's a whole lot of mistakes Dallas can correct, and yet they still won the game by 10. So, like, they all settled around, in at the end of the first quarter to make it look like okay in the box score, but it was really just Kawhi making really difficult shots. Like, that's all it was. It wasn't everybody getting involved. 
Which wasn't is what the ball we said, dude. That's right? what we said. It wasn't it wasn't the ball movement that you're afraid of from the Clippers. It wasn't Batum and Marcus Morris and Serge knocking down corner threes. It was just Kawhi getting his, not really involving anybody else. And so you you turn into survival mode real quick of I've got to make this scoreboard look different no matter what. And that's kind of what Kawhi did in the first. And he's, you know, sometimes he does that and you're down by seven and you're like, oh my God, like what just happened? And then sometimes you do that and you step out of the first quarter with a lead because you put so much pressure on him. And I think, I mean, <laughs> I would highly recommend doing that again if you can. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to happen, but you do have a trick in your bag, right? If you get up on them and they're not knocking down their threes early, okay, let Kawhi do his thing. Let Kawhi shoot from the elbow and draw a couple fouls and just do it's not selfish because you know it's Kawhi Leonard. He's, he's playing the perfect thing he can possibly play, but it's it keeps everyone else out of a rhythm and you don't get the offensive engine moving. It's just like one cylinder trying to push you up the hill. And it it never got on track. I never felt like I saw the Clippers offense that I saw. For, for stretches in the, the second game that we played them at the American Airlines Center, uh, their, their final five games that they tried in. And I don't feel like I ever saw that offense uh, just start going. And it felt just like the bubble last year. It felt like they were playing last year without Trez and Lou Williams uh, getting easy buckets for them. Yeah, so they had 22 assists on, what, 37 made field goals, which is pretty good, but it's not that good. You know, I mean, they when it, when a team shoots a ton of threes, generally their assist numbers are going to be pretty high. Now Dallas is a little different because, like, half of their three point attempts are step backs. You know, but I mean, the your the ball was not moving for LA. You're absolutely right. I mean, Kawhi would, you know, he's not going to shoot it forty times because he wants to facilitate for his teammates. Right? He'd swing it to Batum, swing it over to Rondo, kick it to Paul George, Marcus Morris. But whenever you close a guy out hard, or whenever you're already there, you're already home on the shooter. They can't get the shot up. They're coached to take one dribble and then either give it back or try and get to the rim. Well, they can't do that either because Dallas really was doing a pretty good job of collapsing in the paint. They, they were. Things went a little sideways in the middle quarters, but in the, in the first quarter and in the fourth quarter, they really ramped it up. KP is not going to get really any credit for anything that he did today, but I thought that he had very, very good moments defensively just being there. Same for Maxi. same for Luka. And the Clippers are going to make KP and Luka work all series long. They're going to force switches. But that's why, like, you have to trust those guys, KP and Luka specifically, to not get in foul trouble whenever they're one-on-one versus Kawhi. Don't fall for any of the crap, right? He's going to elbow you. Don't lean into him. Don't, like, don't contest the shot, but not too much. You know, you'll foul him. Uh, let him land. You know, stay away from Paul George. He's snaky. If he gets by you, let him get by you, you know. So they're going to give up some easy buckets when they're out of position, but that's to preserve them for the whole series. But what you're doing is you're isolating those guys. You're putting Kawhi Leonard on an island, and if he swings it, there's nothing there. The guy that catches it is like, I don't know what to do with this. And they finally found a little rhythm and fluidity in the fourth quarter whenever it was Rondo because you double Kawhi, he kicks it to Rondo. Rondo can make something happen. He made a couple shots, but then he missed some shots. You know, like Rondo's not going to shoot 75% from three for the series. So just because he makes a couple doesn't mean you need to overreact. You know, um, let the other guys, if they're going to hit tough shots, let them hit tough shots, but just don't let them take easy shots. And they, they did not do that at all. They, Dallas forced a bunch of tough shots, and the Clippers were not able to make enough of them. Yeah, and you shot more free throws than the Clippers 
in a game in which they were trailing uh, for a lot of the uh, crunch time, which I would have, I would have lost all the money that I have in the bank. If, if you told me like we're up on the Clippers uh, late in the game and they're not going to shoot 10 free throws, you know, cause I thought Kawhi would just get, get a call, get a call, get a call. Um, so you shot 26, they shot uh, 24 and you actually had a pretty decent free throw shooting night by our standards. Some nights, uh, 20 of 26. Oh, and yeah, it just looks like they, I mean, I'm not going to be super critical of Ty Lue and just say like, this is true, but it doesn't look like they had much of a plan for what we did. Well, that was just, they just said, oh, you, you got a plan, huh? Like, this is your plan? And Luca was like, all right, I'm just going to nuke it. And what, what do you got next? And so now the Clippers are going to have to adjust. And I guess that leads right to what I wanted to ask you, which is, like, what do you think L.A. does in game two? Do they roll out the same five? Like, what is what are they going to do? You can't roll out the same five. I don't know if you take both those. Uh, and at both those, I mean, Patrick Beverly and Evita Zubats, the two guys that were glaringly just kind of bleeding. Um, because Zubats did have good moments. And I know his dunks, like, really hurt. They really, like, he's a big dude that can dunk really hard. And it's not fun to watch somebody do that to your team. But it's two points. And you usually play defense for 20 good seconds of that possession. And it just doesn't drive me crazy. Like it drives like skin, like skin, like starts screaming. Like he gets so uncomfortable when Zubat starts going off. And I'm like, man, he scored eight points and he was negative 13 overall. And on the yeah, other I mean, end, it's demoralizing, you know but you just have to, as the offense, like, or as the, I guess as the defense in this case, once Zubat's dunks, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to now hit a three on him because he yeah. can't cover me. Yeah, I'm going to score. I mean, he's going to score two points, or he's going to, you know, he's going to have to score south of two points per possession that he touches the ball because one out of every five, he's going to turn it over. And I'm going to go for 2.3 points per possession that he's having to guard somebody. And it's over. Like, that's why the guy, I don't even think the, the players like get that bothered by Zubats uh, dunking. I know it looks, it's fun and it's like the result of like a really good executed play. But um, anyway, I, I don't think you, I think Beverly has to go to the second unit. I think you need Reggie Jackson um, out there speeding the thing up and getting easy buckets. Um, but for us, there are adjustments we can make. I think we can play better than that. I think I think there are very simple tricks to me that I can look at in, within this box score and throughout the game and go, okay, we need a better plan for how to get KP shots. Okay, so that's, that's a good thing uh, to bring up. What do they do about Kawhi being on KP? Assuming that they don't just straight up blitz Luka for the whole series, like – Kawhi's on KP. That's pretty tough. <laughs> that that's tough. I think you got to find do? spots on the court that KP can operate that aren't the post or straight up. Right? It's not. It's not home pitcher's mound, second base. Like because Kawhi can cover all of that ground. Right. So get KP out of the perimeter on the wings. Um, whether it's him starting a pick and roll or pick and pop, um, because getting him in the post allows Kawhi to help off. And KP is one of the most talented big man that's ever existed his lateral quickness to like take advantage of quiet cheating off him it's not really there it's just it's just not part of his game right when he has the hands too i mean we saw him pick tim clean like tim was like five feet away from him and Kawhi just reached over and took the ball yeah exactly so i think letting Kawhi hang out in the paint on a guy or hang out at the top of the key that's not what you want that is 100 not what you want um, so if he is going to guard KP and they're committed to that and they want him to be able to, you know, strip him in the post and get away with all the Kawhi stuff he does and throw him to the ground one time without getting a foul call, like what the H was at. Um, 
if they're going to do that, you got to drag Kawhi out to the three-point line and make him not be the easiest help defender uh, out there. So that'd be my counter to that. But also if they don't and they keep on rolling out whatever they want to roll with, um, Zubats on Porzingis or whatever, like no matter what, I think the next step is you got to create shots for KP that aren't right underneath the basket because they just get away with way too much. And they, it, they, they foul him and it doesn't get called. Beverly like climbed the ladder that was KP's body on that one play and like then almost tore his wrist off and no call. Very bizarre. Very. It's bizarre. insane what they get away with on him. Like quite honestly, and a couple. I was I was pretty proud of him a couple times because he would just turn straight into the defender and like shoot, and just be like, "You're gonna foul me. Uh, this is how this is gonna work out." But if they're gonna, if that's the tone, if that's the temperature that we're setting for defensive basketball in this series that you can get away with, then KP inside the the painted area is not gonna be a great move. It's just not. Uh, cause they're going to foul the crap out of him. They're not going to get called. It's going to create a live ball turnover or something going off the window, the other direction. One thing they did, I mean, there's only one play, but the Clippers had by, had by this point, they'd committed to doubling Luca every single pick and roll, every single one. And KP set a pick or kind of screened sort of, and he sort of slipped and then just rolled into the paint, turned his back, faced Luca. Luca gave him a pass right on the money and he turned and dunked. And, you're not going to give up a dunk to KP 40 times in a row, but one of KP's best games of the season was in Indiana earlier this year whenever they were just doubling Luka all the time. They were even, like, boxing, wanting him up. They were sending two at Luka on every screen, and KP had, like, 30 points, and they were all layups because if you involve KP in the action, then his man is like, well, do I switch? Do I stick with KP? Do I blitz? Am I, sp- am I really supposed – Ty, am I really supposed to blitz him, you know? Uh, and if they do, then KP is really, really good around the rim. I mean, he really is. He's got touch. He can dunk. He can do all that stuff. So I wonder if that's something too. Uh, but then of course you're involving Kawhi in the play. And so it's like this weird, it is a weird thing of like, I don't want to go at Kawhi, but I also want to get KP easy layups. Um, so it just changes know. the arithmetic anytime Kawhi is involved. Cause you think it's an advantage, but he can do things and get away with things that no one else can. Yeah, so you, you just got to live with that. And I was, I got, I got really frustrated in the third quarter because <laughs> he, uh, he threw KP down. They came to the other end of the court. He's clearly slipped for like ten feet uh, before he passed the basketball, which was a travel. And then Paul George got in the lane and gave you a, a an off arm or offhand push off, and none of it, none of it got called. And I was like, man, I would have, I would have lost my cool right about then. But they just didn't. They were, they were very level headed. Like besides the Rondo trying to do Rondo crap to Doe, which Doe responded properly. They didn't call they anything were, for that, right? They were no, just nothing. like, let's, let's play. Nothing, nothing, good, nothing good. at all. As it should be. That, that was a nothing play. It was a yeah. nothing play. Yeah. But if, but you know if that's what? good for Dorian and good for Rondo, just that's yeah. what, that's what, yeah. the playoffs, that's what it is. Exactly. So the playoffs are about, I don't, I don't like that rules get applied differently depending on what end of the court you're watching. I think that's the ultimate like slap in the face of a competitor but also the team did not seem to care. They were above it. They were like, okay, cool. Kawhi's going to get away with that. That's tight. Let's go to the other end. Let's be, let's, the only, the only time I saw Luca get frustrated was whenever he had to go out um, in the third quarter because he got his, uh, what, fourth foul or whatever. Um, so they, they were above it, or third foul, sorry. It was, I guess it was earlier in the third. Um, 
that shot whenever he went to the bench and he's like hunched over. I don't know if he was tired or just frustrated and didn't want to come out, but uh Rick pulled yeah, him. Man. Huh? Yeah. He was mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was uh how was early mad. was it? It, it was, was it was like five minutes. Six minutes, yeah. Six minutes and left. When in Rick the third. pulled him out, Luca like did the like what? Yeah. Sort of like yeah. bend over shrug kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, it was it was just he wasn't happy to come out of the game. And, no. Nor should he been, but he's never happy to come out of the game. Yeah, he think he wants to play forty eight minutes. And still I think got plenty at, of minutes. Well, yeah, I think he was a little tired in the fourth, but everyone else stepped up, so it really didn't matter. And he was making the right passes like very quickly. So, man, I I think it it might be an issue down the road, but tonight take game one on the road and just laugh about it, man. Like bring that same game plan, bring that same intensity. They have to adjust now. If they roll that same thing out there. In game two, they better hit 40% of their threes because I know where to attack. And now Dallas gets two full practice days to watch film and to practice what happens whenever they blitz Luka with every single combination of players that Luka could possibly play with. And so there's going to be no surprises. And, and that's the playoffs. So now the Mavs have a chance to be a step ahead again. And if they win game two, then like, oh my God. And you know what? If they lose game two... They still went one and one. You got your split, blah, blah, blah. You can come home feeling good in front of 15,000 people. They're going to be screaming their heads off. But, like, th- this is what you want. You want – you. what I said yesterday on our little preview thing – or not little. It was very big. It was two hours. On our big preview was game one, if you're the road team, isn't it's not the worst thing in the world if you lose game one as long as you win game two. The objective is to win one of the two games. Now they have one. Winning two would be awesome. So let's go out and do that. But – um. Yeah, I mean, they, they – yeah, yeah. It, the, the onus is on the Clippers to do something, and if they don't, then the Mavs are going to – they're going to run them off the floor because Rick Carlisle's record in game twos all time is extraordinarily good, especially with the Mavs. They, like, win basically every single game two that they play. And so Rick gets to see what you do. He gets to think what you're going to do next, and then he puts a plan in action, and they usually run you off the floor. So – uh, I, well, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I'm not getting too far ahead of myself and predicting a championship or anything, but like they got the job done. Um, we're going to bring quick podcast to you after every game. It's not going to be Mike every time. Cause Mike is about to go into dad mode, as he said yesterday. Uh, but it's going to be me. I might have some other people on with me every now and then. Um, so it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, uh, it's, it's all going to be on Mavs daily. We might have some special ones in between. I'm going to try and maybe see if Skin wants to do a numbers on the board at some point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're just we're going to be partying, win or lose. This is what it's all about, man. This was a, an agonizing three hours watching that game, but it was a whole lot of fun. And uh, I, I'm sure there's going to be at least, I mean, at least three more really fun games to to come left in this series. But uh, what are your what are your kind of finishing thoughts, Mike? Before we before we get out of here. Uh, number one, I just love the the first quarter intensity. I've seen this matchup obviously quite a few times already and it feels like we never get off on a on a good first quarter and you kind of realize the things it can do for you if you do if you don't let them knock down their threes early and you make it a just a Kawhi offense um and just the book on the Mavs used to be let Maxi and Doe shoot like hey we're gonna get in the playoff series and let Maxi and Doe shoot and Doe knock down four or five Maxi hit one of his two and played really great defense um and brought brought everything you could ask of Maxi after missing you know the last what three regular season games and knowing what he's been dealing with um and then Josh Richardson man that dude came in and played his ass off um I thought he played really good defense for moments and just 
raised hell on the defensive end of the court. So, and that's, that's beyond the obvious stuff that we already touched on, but man, it's, it's on the pressure is 100% on the Clippers right now and on Ty Lue to do something to fix this right now. And if I think like, I know he's going to make an adjustment. I don't know if the right answer might just be like, man, I'm so confident I'm sticking with it. And I just think it we're going to get dude, back. Because again, you're not going 11 for 40 and the Mavs aren't yeah. going 17 for 36 again. That's just not right. happening. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think the right thing for him to do if he's truly not feeling the heat and not getting anxiety sweats over what just, he just watched uh, his team kind of fall apart in the final five minutes after not a great performance the rest of the game is to go, you know what? We're a great basketball team. We're rolling out the same exact thing and y'all are just going to play better. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Game two. Um, but if he is feeling the, the anxiety sweats and he did watch that whole game and it really kind of got to him a little bit and, you know, guys are kind of barking about this guy not playing well, et cetera, then you make a change. And to me, that is the, that's the panic button for them. That's when you're in their head, you own, you're occupying space uh, rent-free in their head at this point, which is not something I would have ever predicted. Like, I think we've got a really good shot in this series, but I thought we were going to have to get punched in the mouth one time before we woke up and nope, we hit the alarm clock. It didn't even go off yet. The alarm didn't go off. We're punching it and going, let's go. Seven playoff games against Luca. They still don't have an answer for him. And, you know, we barely talked about Luca at all. Uh, there will be plenty more opportunities to talk about that guy, but he is a bona fide badass and it's just, it's a pleasure to watch him play. It's a pleasure to watch him play. And he must be just such a pain to coach against. Cause what do you even do, man? I mean, there's no, you can't do anything in the playoffs. Are there five better players? No, in the, in the world, not are there a, three. There are, there are a couple. I'll put it. I that mean, way. Dame, there's Dame goes nuts in the playoffs, right? LeBron's going to hit every single fourth quarter shot. Kawhi, I've seen Kawhi do it before. I don't know if there's a better playoff. Uh, three dudes that are better in the playoffs consistently. Dude, he destroyed them in the third quarter. That was yeah. just that was upsetting to yeah. watch. And I, yeah. I like the guy. And the I whole first that. half. The whole first half, man. He yeah. was just like, I belong here. I'm the best player in this court. I'm the best player in this conference. Like, let's go. Let's see him do it again, man. Let's see him do it again. Game two, Tuesday. Got two days off. Enjoy it. And uh yeah, Mike, good luck with the whole baby thing. No, thanks. Thanks. And uh, yeah. I'll be at the hospital watching game two, so that'll be fun. Well, there we, get, get a win for baby Marshall. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Get a win. Gator. Gator for the baby. Let's go. All right. See you.